You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show this week. Today I have with me... Jeremy Holiday, And our special guest, Tim Lum. And he's here today to talk about video games and narratives, along with film narratives. So we're going to kind of compare film narratives and video game narratives and see what we can kind of develop between the two. Um, so thanks for being on the show, Tim. Thanks for having um, me. What can you kind of tell us about you and your background? Uh, right. Well, I'm I'm basically a Nintendo kid at heart. Um, ever since I was three, I picked up a ColecoVision controller to play Donkey Kong, and I've basically been hooked ever since. Um, I've been playing all sorts of uh, interesting video games lately, and um, you know, narrative is not the first and foremost thing that um, drives me to play games, but um, I have definitely come to appreciate a lot of the work that goes into crafting narratives in video games, and especially over the past few years, I think that uh, the medium has really uh, made some uh, fantastic strides in storytelling. So, uh, nice. so yeah. Cool. Yeah, um, let me give you a little background on this topic that we're talking about today. So uh, Jeremy and I were just chatting off the show one time, and I, who am not a big gamer, um, play have played some games. But I was asking him, like, what is the difference, do you feel like, in the experience of a narrative in a video game versus the narrative in a film? And which maybe is more satisfying to you as an experience? Or because games are a little bit longer and you spend more time in them than a film, does that give it kind of a little bit more of a value as an experience or more satisfying. So that's kind of the the background in that. And we didn't have a great answer for it at the time. So um, we thought we'd discuss it on the show and have Tim join us, who maybe has definitely has more experience um, <laughs> playing some of these games than us. Uh, so that's kind of a little bit of how we came to this um, topic for this week. To kind of give an introduction, I think we can kind of point out some obvious differences between video games and films as far as the narratives go. I mean, certainly we have film, which is more of a passive viewing experience. You know, mm-hmm. normally if you go to the theater, you sit there fairly quietly, maybe laughing or something like that, but you are in a dark room. It's kind of a singular experience um, that you, and you are just taken on that journey. So. Uh, You don't have a choice in where this narrative goes, of course, and it's uh, very much controlled by, you know, the directors or the filmmakers um, in that experience. Whereas video games, of course, where we are playing and we are an active participant in in that story in most ways, and we can get into more detail about how that works, but uh, that we would say is much more of an active experience, where we are kind of in the game experiencing as it goes forward. Um, So just in simple terms, I think that's a big difference, but maybe off of that, or uh, maybe some other insights that you guys have just initially about some differences. Well, I, I would say the the first thing that springs to mind is just the time invested. So um, even outside of the interactivity, mm-hmm. um, the degree of interactivity is going to vary from game to game, and mm-hmm. those gameplay loops can be very simple or very complex. 
the systems involved likewise. But the time invested is uh, is is maybe the most um, uh, is maybe the the simplest difference between these two mediums. But it actually really makes a huge difference. Um, y- you know, a, a, a general single player campaign is going to be anywhere from nine to ten hours. The the shortest indie game is probably still going to be about three or four hours. Yeah. It's not. It's a much bigger time investment, and there's a whole separate conversa- conversation we could get into about, um, you know, sort of the the value of that time investment versus mm-hmm. versus the value of a time investment in in film. But mm-hmm. as far as the narrative goes, it means that that these same narrative beats that you would hit in a film have to be stretched out, right. and okay. sometimes they need to be stretched out past the point of um, that the gamer is comfortable with. Sometimes. Mm-hmm you know, they need to sort of get in the weeds for a bit. So I would say that's probably the first thing that springs to mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when I was, um, <clears throat> I recently played, uh, in terms of like beats, I re- recently played uh, Shadowrun Returns, uh, classic top-down um, point-and-click redone. Uh, uh, redone by um, Hairbrain Schemes, who are nobly um, redoing um, uh, a battle tech for the computer. Okay. I it, it's awesome just to take it <laughs> okay. like half of the geeks you. in the world are right. like oh my god yeah. <laughs> um as i speak for geek to myself exactly <laughs> um um but like in the you know it's like a classic noir story like a friend mm. who is dead has this like the first uh campaign is called dead man's trigger and like some sort of thing you get contact you have to find out who his killer is and it's this noir yeah. Um, it's like a cyberpunk universe. Um, now I want to play this. Yeah. You know, it, 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 no, it's great. Um, but the one problem with it is like the third act takes forever. Mm. You know, you're like, ah, you're like final conflict locked in with like, you know, uh, ancient revealed evil. And it just takes forever to get there. And you're like, oh, and you think like, oh, I'm going to go on the next mission. I'm going to do the thing. And I'm like, oh, and I'm going over here. I'm talking about that. There's another thing between when do I get to shoot the bug things for like the climactic end of the game. <laughs> is it like story things that take a while? Like. Just kind of no, there's like there's like two like missions, missions in there where you're like you like go and you almost succeed and then that. you like step back and do all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a cult involved and like I, was like, I don't really know. Um, it was just they made it too much. Yeah, see, and and this is where that whole perceived value for the money thing becomes really kind of a problem, right? I mean, that's that's padding so yeah. that the people that plunk down fifty or sixty dollars don't feel like they got cheated right feels worth it yeah. yeah i mean that that becomes kind of an issue well and i think it's one of those things like i think that the um maybe it, it made sense in terms of the whole bit they just made the last part you know larger of the like a larger part mm-hmm. of the narrative they just didn't need to they could have cut it out like right. you know and, and as it would still have been satisfying for me and that's a potential problem with game development right? yeah because you might have a, a director or a producer sort of putting all those pieces together but the end of the game might be worked on by a different team within the development group. Yeah. So they're not thinking about pacing of the overall narrative. Which, of course, brings up, you know, part. Bioshock Infinite, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But there's this classic piece that I want to talk about, like like yeah. old school. Like, um, uh, like, so you're playing, like, you're playing... Mega Man, right? Any of the Mega Man games. Like, what's cool about them is, like, you get to pick which guys you fight in order. Except that you kind of don't really have a choice. Like, because of the way the weapons fight each guy, you have a little bit of choice, but, like, you're pretty much walking through. Um, and if you were to take, like, uh, any of the old platformers or any of those sort of 8-bit games, there's a story that you, like, mm-hmm. play through at various points, and if you succeed, you make it through the story, and if you uh, don't succeed, you die. 
Right. Right. So, like, you, you, you can succeed in going through the story or fail along the way. And that's sort of how games went for a long time. Yeah. Um, there, you know, and so uh, as time goes on, there's a little more space for, um, uh, you know, uh, let's say, like, you play an RPG, right? You can choose with which, what, like, what weapons you use to beat, you know, the boss at the end of Final Fantasy. And you can have a little bit of style and flair. Um, but you still are primarily being driven along this path. So in a sense, it's not all that much different than a film. Like you're, they're telling you what's happening to your character. That's and you're moving through it. And your success in the game is based. You know, is like you see, if you succeed, you proceed along the path. If you fail, you die. Or in Zelda, you have to go back to the beginning and do it again. <laughs> right, <laughs> Just right. Run around because you fell down. So, so that's a pretty strong point. Like for me, even experience. You're not a huge gamer, and guys, don't make fun of my examples. <laughs> <if it's gorgeous. laughs> but um, playing uh, Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. Uh, this last year I was playing some so like I get to certain points and it's not just that game but like I got to this like crazy Rancor battle that I had to fight all these and it was like super fast and it just got to the point where like I just couldn't like physically press the buttons fast enough and I was also playing the new Tomb Raider revival Uh um, because I haven't played a a film or a game of that (laughs) graphics um, but there was one point where it was just like I was supposed to hit this key combination and so I had to look it up online and it was talking about like mashing the keys in this perfect and I was like mashing what is this what's the difference between yeah. pressing the so yeah. I was like this is not in the computer so up to that point it was very like story driven and you were experiencing in the moment but it was just like totally pulled me out of it because yeah. I was like well I don't even know if I can get past this point so like I guess I don't know what happens okay okay um, so I have yeah. to say this at this point so um, I played the uh, Space Marine game I'm a big like I like Warhammer and stuff. So the mm-hmm. Space Marine game for it was Xbox and PC, and whatever. And so um, it's it's like a third person. Um, you play the super warrior, shoot a bunch of orcs, kill a bunch of castings. It's really cool. But what I liked about it was that the climactic battle at the end, which is like you're jumping off a gigantic tower and you're like fighting this demon <laughs> as you're spinning through this junk. It, it switches to quick time events. You know, where it's not like you're having to do all these, mm. you know, like complicated moves you've mm-hmm. spent, you know, or like special powers you've spent mm-hmm. the whole game building. It's just like you need to press X now. You mm-hmm. need to dodge this attack now. And it made it like it wasn't very difficult. Like the battle yeah. to get to that point was really hard. Mm-hmm. But the actual final bit with all these big set pieces and all those super cool graphics was these mm-hmm. relatively simple um, acts to do. So it made it really enjoyable to like go through it. And like it was like. You know, I think I, I messed. I, like I failed like two or three times before mm-hmm. I did it. Um, but it allowed me to play through a story that really only has one play, way to play through it. Like I dodge his punches and I punch him in the face. So or whatever. they thought about yeah. the experience. That oh, the absolutely. Game would have in the and, and, and like, yeah. there's no other time in the game when there are quick time events where mm-hmm. it's like press X here to right. do this or dodge left. Um, and I just super appreciated it because there's nothing. I don't know. There's sometimes nothing worse than you're like then you're at the point where you're like, I really enjoyed this game, right. but like I can't beat this guy, so now I just have to stop playing. Right. Um, yeah. Which I did plenty of times as like a nine-year-old. <laughs> right. You know, you're like, it's Mario 3, and I'm like, I can't make it past 9 two. you know, come on! <laughs> and you know, and I come back six months later, you know, with more brain, and that you can do it. <laughs> and an, um, a Nintendo Power subscription. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or Plus Barb, my friends. Or <laughs> um, and so, like, uh, the mixing of those different styles, I think, was really cool. And I liked how they did it. Other yeah. games do it, too. It's, it's not, like, sure. a super um, unique thing to them. But, um, you know, it, it's a, what I look at is, like, a spectrum of, like, um, uh, in interactivity. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I mean, one example that I always talked with Tim about, which is a game called Shenmue for the Sega Dreamcast. Um, it's, like, a combination of, like, moving around point-and-click adventure 
plus um, like a Street Fighter, like 3D combat, plus <laughs> like these limited things, which are like were quick time events where you're like you're interacting mm-hmm. with someone, you're talking, like all of a sudden, like somebody's going to kick you in the face, so you got to dodge out of the way. Right. You know, it's a slider yeah. between like, you know, totally in control of situations and totally being driven by point and click to sort of someplace in the middle. And then sort of to pad out that experience, there's all these sorts of like small mini games that aren't even gameplay based. They just. Um, you know, exists solely to make the world more believable and interactive. There's the little like gotchamon games, yeah, yeah. little like um, capsule games. There, you can like walk into a store and 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 mm. play actual like recreations of, of classic arcade games and just all these things to sort of make the world feel more interactive. So just initially, like those sort of details, um, adding to fill out that world, is that something that you feel like is satisfying? in the narrative aspect of it, like to feel that I can explore this world more, I can go into these places and kind of be in this store, like compared well, to a film, like the richness uh, of, I mean, or is I, it totally comparing I, two different things? I mean, to me, I, I actually have pretty strong feelings about yeah. this. To me, it to me that world building part of it, and I mm-hmm. feel like that that term is a little inadequate mm-hmm. for, for what it can fully represent, okay. which is... Which is full immersion, or the feeling of immersion in the world that's presented to you. To me, if a game succeeds at doing that, then narrative really does take the backseat. Because what it means is that those narrative beats, you're not Mm. waiting to get to the next one. You're filling in the gaps yourself. Your imagination is is helping fill in those gaps. And in in a lot of games, um, you know, uh, Dishonored is a great example of that, and that's one I've been playing a lot recently. It's, It's... the the art style is is filled with details mm. and environmental storytelling so that if you walk into a house you can just on from a couple documents that you can find um in the in the location mm-hmm. and a few visual cues on the wall you know what happened in that space mm. so in lieu of a story beat hitting you and um redirecting yeah. the narrative you've you've figured out a narrative on your own mm. just by being present in that space. Yeah. And whether or not you're engaged with the gameplay or not, just being there is its own mini narrative. Hmm. Um, I, I feel like I feel like that's really the future of video games, at least for the time being, mm-hmm. until uh, game makers can figure out a way to, to make these more complex narratives um, not be dependent so much on um, gameplay and and um, sort of making sure that you you know hit A B C the right. linear narratives to all at the same the time yeah, yeah. because because gamers are going to be either hindered by lack of skill mm-hmm. or um, or just not being able to figure out how to get from A to B sure and um, that means that everybody's going to have a different experience so in order to control that experience and make mm-hmm. sure that it's um, a, of a high quality from user to user I feel like making sure that these um, this environmental storytelling and that these sort of um, immersive experiences are user-generated, it, that's going to help mm. fill in those gaps from mm. A to B to mm. C. Because I think of a game like, so I've started playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. On his Nintendo um, Switch, <laughs> which he brought. <laughs> yeah, Just right. Which I may or may not have on my person. We may not be playing right now. Right, right. <laughs> And um, I mean that—that's a game in which you know the—you might not even get to the unveiling of the central conflict of the story. That sort of first, you know, part of the narrative. Um, 
you might get there half an hour into the game. You might get there four and a half hours into the game. It's it's quite possible that it might take you that long just to get there, depending on what you find along the way. And that's, um, and that's dependent on like the, the player's experience of it. Correct. Okay. Correct. Because it because it is just so open ended, okay. and you know, I mean, it, it. I'm sort of in two minds about it because I've played a number of 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 games that are sort of shorter, more. Um, concrete experiences that do sort of hit those those story beats mm-hmm. at a more consistent note mm-hmm. but you know not every game sort of needs to be like that not every game sort of needs to be like an interactive film and i just find the sort of the difference between those types of experiences and these more open world experiences i i just find that to be kind of interesting to see how the the two different types of video games sort of um sort of present themselves to the player yeah so i mean one one like parallel that I think about things mm-hmm. is like um, uh, <clears throat> like uh, Ender's Game mm-hmm. one of my favorite sci-fi books of all time Yeah, um, I, I think the second book in the series Speaker for the Dead is the best book that he's ever written mm-hmm. just so the just world knows yeah, yeah. this is this is the card yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you know and, and the story like I, which I believe to be true I don't think it's fake is like he uh, sat down to write Speaker for the Dead which is a great mm-hmm. wonderful story and he's like ah you know I need to get this character Ender to this point so he writes Ender's Game, which starts off as a short story, which originally doesn't have the part at the end about the game, and then has it anyway. But so he writes that he also there are also stories. Um, I think it's Ender's Children and Ender's Shadow. Ender's Shadow follows Bean, who's a character in the Ender story, sort right. of My in, character. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it's you, you parallel events to what happens to Ender plus other parts of his life, mm. um, and so like. Oftentimes, like in in a game like Dishonored or in a lot of games, I feel like there there's the narrative that's happening. Like there's there's actually like a fully fledged out film mm-hmm. that's happening, and right. I'm and I'm ha- and I'm also interacting in that world. Mm-hmm. Like I may or may not be the protagonist in that film. Okay. I mean, in Dishonored and you know may, many other stories, you are the you protagonist are in the story. Yeah, right. um, but you know there is there's a whole. I know we're talking about a lot of Dishonored because I've played it lately too. Because the copy. <laughs> it's but you know, like there's okay. there's this yeah. you know the plot about like the 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 person being assassinated her daughter being captured all this stuff is happening you know like there's a whole and what it often feels like to me is like i show up after a film just ended or in the interregnum between two stories or you know i'm I'm interacting in a a time to set the stage for something else to happen um uh and there's all kinds of stuff going on around me Mm -hmm. um which is which is which conveys as much satisfying content as watching a film about it you know like what you know like i'm not like i don't need to see Han Solo shoot dudes, you know, right. like, I, I'm happy to just sail through Star Wars, you know. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of funny that you bring up that point, because um, just reading reviews for the most recent game, Dishonored 2, um, <laughs> like, a lot of, of critics took umbrage with the fact that it's basically the same plot as the first one, it's just a revenge story. And I feel like that's sort of missing the point entirely, because you're spending, yes, that is the overall goal of the game, is to, you know, take back what's yours, um, as the tagline says, but you're doing a lot of other things in there. And I feel like the simplicity of the main campaign or storyline almost makes it better. It makes it more... Because you don't have as many other things to worry about. Like, your tasks are very prescribed and simple. And it makes makes those little side stories that you find. Like, um, you know, I'm trying to think, like, I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, Dishonored is still a somewhat newish game. But there's a lot of interesting side stories going on about... um, sort of conflicts between warring factions yeah. and all these other things and it's that you can participate in yeah. in a significant way exactly well it also reminds me too of like your love of the, of the short Bernie that comes on the Wally 
You know, because Bernie, yeah. he, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah. A yeah. all he wants to do is replace this light. Yes, <laughs> and, exactly. and like, there's something about the simplicity of it. Um, like, because like, you know, like here's the pitch. Okay, so this little robot like wants to replace a light bulb. Yeah, right. It's like there's nothing at all really interesting about that. Right. But it's like how he does it and what goes on in the story and like all the, yeah, 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 and like and the manner in which he goes about it, right. which like in Dishonored, which we keep talking about, like um, <laughs> you can like you can kill people, you can not kill people, you can. Tr- I mean, like you you can yeah. really do that story in a way that is unique to you because I think one of the things that um, a lot of modern games do is like allow people to have a lot of self-expression in both what their character looks like, what their character does, and how they play the game. Originally, that's just like, you can have blue armor if you want it. <laughs> right. um, and I think that um, one of my favorite games, XCOM 2, it's jokingly referred to by people that love it as like a, a character customization game with a slight combat <laughs> bonus to it. Um, you know, but the idea, but like, the, um, because it, because as games get better and more complex, they allow people to express themselves um, in what their characters do and how the world is, right. um, and I think that that that's, that's a very satisfying experience. You know, I yes, Eli. You mentioned Ender's Game, so do you think that maybe like novels or books are maybe a closer comparison to video game names? Of course, they don't have the interactivity, but if we think like you know even uh, Tolkien with Lord of the Rings, he goes into very a lot of detail on the locations and stuff. And sometimes I found myself skimming over that to kind of get past it, which you think in certain games you can kind of nope. like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Youch. but, um, so you, He's not. uh, so you can, you can experience it that way and kind of just get to the story part of it. Um, and maybe video games, you, you have that choice of how you experience. You can kind of go into those environmental elements and spend time in that, or maybe you can just kind of hit the beats and move through it quickly if you want to. What's also different is, is I think it's more like a, like it, um, com- comparing like a video game to a film, it, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, uh, is a, um, that'd be cool if I had something cool to say. Um, <laughs> like, uh, it, it has to go a step further because it, it depends what kind of film and what kind of game. Mm. Because, I mean, there, there are plenty of, like if you just look at, because I mean, both like a three D video game space and a film, mm-hmm. there's like someone who's controlling camera motion right. and set dressing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends what kind of film it is. I mean, like if you, I mean, Dishonored feels very much like, um, like an you know like an indie film where okay. like it, you know I mean it, it's I mean or like a very well produced um, film where you know. It, like a period piece. I mean, yeah. it, it happens in the past or something like that. <laughs> vague past, yeah. sort of, yeah. Yeah, or some different place. Um, but like the way you come into space and observe things, like it's not like here is a picture on the wall of significance. This thing is yeah. over here. Press this button to look at this thing. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, like it's like there appears to be a man in this room who's not looking at you. While he's not looking at you, do you want to do something? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you have to notice all those things. You right. know, so it's like it reminds me of. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, pick some like Robert Altman or something. Yeah. Where like, you know, especially you know, like especially with the dialogue in Dishonored, where like people are talking. Some of it matters. Some, some of it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. A lot of it doesn't. It's actually it's, kind yeah, of, it's kind of yeah. But there's there's plenty of like, but but guys will actually like. I think I'm gonna go. What's that sound? Did somebody? I'm gonna go check on that thing right. over there. And, and like, oftentimes that. you can't see them unless mm. you use your special power. So they go over there. You know, like, and so <laughs> there's there's a way in which like the the game doesn't point you at all these significant things it allows you to go in and figure them out which i think good films do too right um or or, i mean certainly a kind of film 
And, um, and the techniques that they use to actually direct the, the player's attention at certain aspects is really not all that different from film. I think part of it is, is you know, I mean, we could probably get into the weeds here talking about like a first person versus third person experience, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of people are, are talking about using VR as a way to right. sort of direct narratives, you know, no pun intended, more, you know, more directly and more, um, so I, I don't know, I think that's kind of an interesting way of looking at like, you know, how are narratives and interactive entertainment going to look 10 years from now? Right. With this medium of VR, it's probably going to make things a little bit more controllable and more prescribed from the developer's point of view. So, But I think at the same time, VR would allow you to be even more fully immersed in that story and give you somewhat of a freedom to like, you go into a room and you get to explore, actually go in and look at that room and everything, go yeah. look at, pick up stuff and do it, which I think is way beyond what you can experience in a film um, where you don't have a choice of how you're viewing that. I think okay. that and, and I think films, a big difference is they have, and, and maybe an advantage in some sense, and maybe you guys can tell me about your experience of video games, but what I like about film is I... Filmmakers that I like, they give me a unique experience or view of that mm. world. Mm. And that's what I sort of appreciate, that I am immersed in this viewpoint that I don't normally get. And a lot of video games, in my experience, what I've seen, it is doesn't just have that sort of art or craft to it. Um, and I think maybe we're getting closer to that. Um, yeah. But I think that's what I'm sort of lacking in a video game experience. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really excellent point. I think the closest thing that I could point to as a problem with the medium is mm -hmm. the fact that, like, the the experiences, you know, moment to moment are really homogenous in video games. And this is something that's really been dealt with a lot in the past few years, especially in the indie game space. Mm -hmm. um, there's all sorts of games that... Um, sort of tackle narrative in a way that's uh, a lot more interesting. Games like Oxenfree, this is a game in which um, your sort of avatar interacts with other characters, there's sort of branching paths, it's mm -hmm. all narrative based, there's really okay. no, there's no game play, quote unquote, mm. um, to see, you know, Gone Home is another really excellent example of, of gameplay narrative that probably most closely resembles film narrative okay. as far as, as beat to beat. Um, and you know, I think there's a there's some really interesting things in in that game space. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's the big sort of issue with games right now is that ninety percent of them are really just power fantasies about pointing to something and shooting it. And there, there's definitely a place for that. And I think mm -hmm. you know that's probably the number one reason why you know people play games. But you know, anyone willing to branch out, there's some really fantastic stuff happening. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple things I feel like I have yeah. to say. This I will go down a rabbit hole. So just, <laughs> just so I mean, like one of the th one of the things that I see is like a, a a larger limiting factor is two. Like thinking about the future of gaming and media and how that's changed over time. Yeah. There's two things I want to think about. One, um, uh, one of which is uh, like storage space, and the second of which is budget. Right. Okay. So like one of the games that I loved as a kid. Wing Commander, right? The Wing Commander One, Wing Commander Two, um, and uh, it, it was great because it, it, ha it has branching. Like if you succeed at what you're doing, your mission goes better, and like, you can just lose the game. And there are places mm -hmm. where like you just end up at a place, and like enemies just keep coming out, and you you you, you can you can like pause it in the morning, go to school, come back, play it, play all night. <laughs> Try, you know, yeah, yeah. you can do that, and you you will still lose. Um, you know, and there reached up. You know, I think the first one was like a couple discs, you know, three and a quarter, and then the other one was like five, and then Wing Commander Three came out. It was six CDs. 
Um, and they did that because Crazy. they did. I mean, cool, wow. I mean, it, it had Mark Hamill in it. Um, they, they they did all, they did all the branching, but with they did all the acting to uh, accommodate all that branching, mm-hmm. you know. And like, yeah. I, I I don't know many. I, I, it was the first game that I had ever seen that had more than one disc, <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, what I mean, like, is yeah. that even possible? <laughs> yeah. You know, Wing Commander yeah. Four came out. I think it, uh, Wing Commander Three is I think three or four discs. Wing Commander um, Four was six discs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 even in the branching of Wing Commander Four, you branch out for a lot of various things and you all come back yeah. to the central sort of like and also like I mean props Wing Commander 4 the final thing is not a battle it, it, it's a debate with Roddy McDowell at, in this like the senate place that sounds um, fantastic it, no it, it's, it, it's absolutely <laughs> fabulous it's great I mean it's, it's totally well done but I mean like um, they, they just at some point had to say look like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pay actors to be mm-hmm. in this digital space right. Um, and we're going to say, we're going to make it as big as we need it, and we're just going to have them switch discs midway through, yeah. um, which is something that, like, in the modern gaming world, the, the Mass Effect series has done. I, I could talk yeah. forever about how much I like Mass Effect, <laughs> but they, they, you know, like, I think you said that the second one or the third one, that's two discs. Like, who else does two discs, right? I think there's even three for some of you, maybe, you know. So yeah. w- w- one of the things that got me super excited about the Nintendo Switch is, like, they're going back to cartridges. Because, like, there's only, there's only so much... You can put on a disc. You can have a fancy right. ass, you yeah. know. Now we're explicit, um, like like four <laughs> K. Uh, I think it's, whatever. If it's hyphenated, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you're still talking about like single or double digit gigabytes, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I can. I mean, I can go down to Best Buy and buy like a billion gigabytes, you know, per square inch. Um, right. And there's just like right. so right. much more space available to do that. The other, so but the budget. But, is, but even then, if you've got if you've got a game where halfway through. One Ugh. choice leads you to a completely different set of cutscenes. Then you've got to talk about motion capture, and so it's not yeah, about yeah. space. It's about motion capture, actor fees, and especially mm. now that like a, a lot of these, um, a lot of these voice actors are unionized now. We're, yeah. we're talking about like SAG membership and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it, it sounds like a small thing, but it just increases the budgets even more. Well, so here's the thing. So I remember um, this will be embarrassing because I don't actually know his name, but I remember the guy <laughs> who made Ghost in the Shell. Eli Shiro. I remember hearing an, an yeah. interview with him, um, and they're like, "So, like, when you make a film, like, what determines whether it's like live action or um, animated? Because he's just done both." And the answer surprised me, and I want to share it. He's like, "Well, if I kind of have a story that I'm playing with, and you know, I don't have all the details flushed out, and I don't have a whole lot of money, like, I'll just make it with people." You know, but like if I really want to make it good and I have all the details flushed out, like I need to hire the best artists and it needs to be animated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that is not what I thought that would be. I thought yeah. it was much cheaper. And so I could imagine that, you know, that there'll be a, a time not too far in the future that somebody's going to put together like the greatest game of all time. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there is going to be a, you know, like a 30 million, 40 million I, dollar budget. And people I feel like, like it's probably being worked on as we speak. Yeah. Honestly, because something like, you know, The Last of Us came so close to mm. being that. And some people would say it is that. Um, you know, but, but, the, but the limiting factor is like regardless of what you want to tell your story, you have, you know, uh, not so much to limit the storage of space, but budget. Right. You know, like can you get these people can these people do this stuff can you you know do you have the you know and that also gets down to distribution and marketing and a whole lot of other factors which i don't find very sexy but are very real <laughs> yeah. um the other thing and so which which is which brings me to um one thing i wanted to share is the is the game bioshock infinite mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite games of all time tim gave it to me and said you have to play this yeah. and i was like bioshock the thing where you like 
shoot stuff at people? And he's like, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those of you out there who haven't played Bioshock Infinite, um, you should buy it and play it tomorrow. And, yeah, and for those of <laughs> you who have been told by somebody that, oh, it's not as great as people said it was when it came out, those people are wrong. Yeah, they're, they're all wrong. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, if you think of the, the two things that, say, that, that, that we've talked about that filmmakers do, both like world creation and the story in that space, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Bioshock Infinite does both amazingly well. Its world building is better than its narrative. Mm. Um, if I think about Tolkien, who I love a great deal, um, what's interesting is that we get to go and be there. Yeah. Um, there's also stuff with Frodo and a ring and yada, 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 like, you know, pinnacle key events in that. But it, that place is interesting. All those characters are I interesting mean, to meet and talk about and to I mean, talk with. Mention one of my um, favorite things, uh, Blade Runner. And I mm. think I do enjoy the story, yeah. but part of it is just like experiencing that yeah. space and that world and that environment. And they did such an excellent job of like living in that. Yes, um, and I think that's what... <laughs> The difference sometimes, I mean, where they can kind of feel that equivalent of, yeah. like, I don't have control over what I'm doing right. while I'm watching that film, but I still, like, I'm like, what's in that corner? What's back there well, in that and, room? And, like, see, you know, the, and this is this is how sort of I interact with films. So mm-hmm. uh, my favorite films are the ones in which I'm being given informa- all this information that seems to be extraneous but is actually integral to the plot. So my, mm-hmm. one of my favorite films is uh, Rosemary's Baby. Okay. So this is a movie in which, um, you know... A young woman is in this sort of strange situation. It's, mm-hmm. The plot itself is a short story, but it's all yeah. the details around it that elevate it to um, a really fascinating feature film. And, um, and you know, not to get too much into the film side of things, mm-hmm. but the way Polanski makes that film is that he, um, the most important things are usually either happening off screen mm-hmm. um, at the same time as the quote-unquote action, or yeah. they're happening just out of center frame. So um, he establishes very early on that 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 what's being placed right in front of you is not the most important thing and then mm-hmm. he subverts those expectations for the next two yeah. hours so it's um th- i feel like that's sort of um similar to video games in which um a, a lot of the most important stuff are, is just the details it's the things mm-hmm. you read the things yeah. that are actually moving the narrative along are the things that aren't taking up the three hours of play time mm-hmm. that's just the gameplay loop. Yeah. that's just you know, crafting or shooting or, or collecting. So it's all these extraneous things that are actually, like, the meat of the story. Yeah. And I, now that you mention it, Rosemary's Baby, I do believe, like, uh, he uses techniques where a lot of, like, wide-angle lenses, mm-hmm. where you feel like you're in her head almost experiencing it. So she's, like, right in your face sometimes or what she's experiencing. I think right. even some of the dream sequences are from first-person perspective like things are happening to her and that you are experiencing that as her so that's almost like a video game technique first person um that we see that as well yeah and to go back to bioshock infinite i think the thing that that makes that more sort of um uh more like a movie in a way is that you really kind of feel that there is an overarching overarching voice that's sort of controlling Mm -hmm. like um, so Ken Levine is the was the creative director for Rational Games, and you get the feeling that he is there is sort of a puppet master behind all that, which is something that you don't really actually get from a lot of video games. Oddly, I mean, you know, there's a few titans of the industry, but they, you kind of feel that they're either in in control of one aspect of the story only, or in some some technical aspect. They're not really sort of tying both together in the way that he was able to do. So. Yeah, and I mean, and part of that is just like, uh, I wish I would have something cool to say. It's cool what you just said. But, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, 
like in Bioshock Infinite, like when you find out, like the things you find out, like you find out about like the Lutesses, like, yeah. and you're like, oh, it, it, I didn't it's really. Fascinating. It could easily be like a, a story of its own. <laughs> And it's it's absolutely thrown away. Like it's it it's not even that important a part of the story. But it's so way. fascinating. Yeah. You know, and you know, and and I mean, I don't I don't think we need to play in spoiler land. I don't know, but like in you know, like all the business with the thimble, for those that know, you know, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all that stuff is just um, so fascinating. Um, and the thing that I the, the reason one of the reasons I want to talk about Bioshock Infinite um, is uh, it's also one of the it also is like a. A, a tragic failure. Um, in, Are you in, talking about the story or the, the, the story. story of the game? No, I mean, I mean, oh. like that. The because uh, I could, you could make an argument. I know, that. I know. And so, <laughs> so I, Tim gave it to me. He said it's great, and I, I played it, and I was like, oh my gosh! And I'm like halfway yeah. through. I'm like, this is like, and like, and it, it is one of the few games that I've ever played that has like uh, overtly deals with racism in it at mm-hmm. the very beginning. I yeah. mean, I mean, that, like now there are a few games that are approaching that territory, but like yeah. you're you're like you're called in game to make or not make a racist act at the yeah, beginning. And a, lot of, a lot of people have called that out as being kind of clumsy or whatnot. I oh, mean, it's it, it's a video. I remember game. It's, it till I yeah, die. Like it's it's <laughs> it, it's only clumsy if you compare it to like an incredibly like sensitive portrayal in a film it's mm. for video uh, games it's yeah amazing. i mean it's amazing, yeah. I, I think it's very well done <laughs> yeah, i mean I it's agree. also like it, it fits in that world perfectly yeah so and it's one thing to watch that experience of this dramatic yeah of a character making that choice but for you to have to make that and choice, then and yeah, for the for the rest of my life i will have experience. thrown that stone you like like yeah. everyone who a monster well i thought i had to get into the city i didn't know <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. you know and so See, now that's interesting that is really interesting. So you did that. I did that because I was like, it's a game. Like, oh, like, and like, I, I didn't know. I, I hadn't played the first Bioshock, so I didn't know the game was being super smart. And I'm like, oh, it's asking me to do something, you know, despicable. I'm like, it's really disappointing. Well, I, I don't want to get too far afield here, but so, what did you think would happen if you didn't? Um, it's I. I don't know. I, I thought that like I would die and go back and be forced okay, to do so, it. So, you know, this it wouldn't would move the narrative. This is yeah. interesting because the whole idea of a fail state in video games, that <laughs> dreaded game over screen, yeah, doesn't it doesn't really mean what it used to back when we were kids. And that that's the thing. Like you know, um, you know, so just sort of an aside. <laughs> when when it, I was like nine or ten, playing Ninja Gaiden, you could oh, play yeah. it all day. If you got a game over screen, it means that. Your entire day was literally yeah, because you lose. Yeah, you're done. Nothing. You're done. You have to start over again, and your chances of ever beating that game are incredibly narrow. Um, but with something like like this, so I mean, you would have actually had to have thought that like, well, if I choose A instead of B, like I'm going to be actually penalized for that. Well, I'm not saying you're wrong for thinking that at all. I'm just saying that uh, it, it's interesting that you think that because I, I'm finding this trend a lot, especially in the past few years, that like the fail state. Is really kind of. It doesn't mean what it used to mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's true. Um, uh, but like, uh, I mean, because I throw the rock and I get stopped, right? Because I, I reach my hand right. back and then notice I have the mark of the whatever on it, you know. Right. And so like, um, but it's it's I, I haven't played it since, so I don't know what if I make the other choice. But I assume it's just like the the game makers put it there. Um, it doesn't actually right. impact the game, but it, it forces you to make a choice. And, 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 and like Sid Meier's thing about games, which I've always think is true, is like uh, games must force you to make interesting choices. That's what makes a game. Right. And it, what's interesting about that particular choice is that it, it's made under duress in the narrative of the game, not the gameplay loop. Right. So if like I make a bad decision with my loadout or my weapons or the yeah. way I approach a combat situation, if I die in that situation, 
you're expected to. Right. You're expect that's a fail state that's known. Right. But but your situation is is different. That's interesting to me. Um, that's cool. I, yeah, and I had a, you know I had a uh, from the very beginning I had a very interesting you know really profound experience with the game. Um, uh, smart. Well, and if, but I mean, <laughs> but what the one thing that I wanted to say before that was. Um, uh, there's a point which I think every so I, Tim had just said it's great. Play it. I played it, and and um, there's a point in the middle of the game where you sort of encounter. There's like a there's a, a world which exists. It's this. It takes place in Colombia. This floating um, mm. city it takes place in like the um, eighteen. I think it's like eighteen ninety or so. It was when it uh, I think it's in nineteen twelve. Okay. Um, exactly. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe. I may or may not have played maybe the game through eight yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will just defer to you. But around that time, <laughs> turn of the century, you know, like Chicago World's Fair. Anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and it's like a sort of div- like divine Christian world. It's, it's like a better world, you uh-huh. know, in, in a way that like it feels very different than the original Bioshock, but I understand mm-hmm. how it's quite similar. Um, uh, what's my point? Yeah. And so there's like a resistance movement towards like the ruling power that you kind of are kind of allied with. Mm-hmm. And then at and there's this point where, like, you know, like, in between different, like, um, areas, there are, like, little loading screens. Um, and there's this little loading screen. I don't remember exactly what it is, but her name is Daisy. And it was, oh like... Oh, my God. I to- I'm so here with you on this one. And, and yeah. it was just, like, you know, like, you, 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 like, you do a thing, and you, you, it's, like, a big beat in the story. And then just says something, like, Daisy Fitzroy or something, like, you know, like, uh, shot somebody in the back. Or so some sort of thing in which... Like you, you, you tried to rescue a child. I think she kills this <clears throat> child in the story. Uh, yeah. So, okay. In, in the story, it's like y- you've entered into this bargain with her, and I feel like the the thing is like uh, he basically. Uh, so these are all like from his from the main character's point of view. He says yeah. a Welsher is a Welsher. Yeah. I, I think that's what you're. Referring yeah, to. yeah. And 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 like the story is just done. I mean, like you like. You progress through stuff, and there's really cool stuff at the end. But like the quality of the story is just gone. Really? Like, like it, it's like seventy five percent through the story, and it's like I'm like on the edge of my seat, yeah. with the exception of like, why am I going back in the stupid air to do the stupid thing with the Chinese guy? But right. um, you know, there is a pointless task and thrown in there. I'm like, yeah. why is this here? But um, at this point, you're like this character who's who's generally good just totally turns bad in in an on a loading screen. But they just, yeah, they just kind of That's like, literally... Read, well, it, it's yeah. a little bit worse than that, though, because honestly, <laughs> well, it is. Because the problem is, is that she's she's subjected to a really, really bad false equivalency because she's the leader of a rebellion. Yeah. And it's it's really unfair to her character, but play the DLC because... Oh. I find more. Yeah. Okay. You mean... You will think differently. Buried at sea? Yes. Okay. Well, I did play it, but I got seasick, so... You did. You actually got a little queasy. <laughs> yeah, I had to close my eyes yeah. in the back. I just have to adjust it. <laughs> wow, that's immersive. Well, it's, 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 it's uh, just... It, it, it's Tim, just yeah, yeah, moves too fast. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, but so, but it was my... And so I was like, I, you know, I was like, oh, I played through, and then the ending is fun, and, and then there's like an ending ending where like, whoa. <laughs> Which is sufficiently whoa. Yeah. yeah. And we're talking 2001 whoa. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, like, in a way that... Because like you're moving in this space and stuff is changing and like it, it only a way that a video game can be well, mm. um, and it's also masterfully done. The the coda, I guess you could say to it. So explain that more. In only a way a video game. Can be I mean, because you're like moving in space and like stuff is moving and shifting, um, and you're like looking at copies of yourself. And I mean, <laughs> you're, it's just you're, you're watching yourself doing so the thing okay. that. And, but you, 
There's a multi-dimensional aspect yeah, of the story yeah, yeah. that's okay. really wonderfully done. Actually, yeah. I don't I don't know how they managed to pull it off. It is the story is so ambitious. It's it's so, ridiculous that it even. Well, I'll let you finish your thought. In the next. Um, uh, you know, and so and I talked to Tim. I was like, yeah, you know, it was really great. But like, there's that part in the middle about Daisy, and he's like, oh my god, let me tell you, you know, yeah. you know, and it and it and it seems like I I mean I would this is my I don't know if this is exactly how it happened, but it seems like kind of like a Terry Gilliam situation mm-hmm. where like massively ambitious sprawling story and they don't have enough to finish it <laughs> you know and they have enough to do like 70 80 percent right. of the story and then they have like four miles left to walk and they're like yep in the you know, like, we we get there Summer. you know yeah um, the, and and that's like the whole last third is just it's padding because they need because the the narrative got in the way of we need you know that that was a game that had exceeded budget by such a large margin that they needed the campaign to be a certain length or they weren't yeah. gonna be able to ship the seven million copies they needed to but they still had to include the narrative finish that out absolutely yeah. so but play the dlc because it it totally explains. Okay. I almost just want to tell you what it is, but I don't. People will get mad. <laughs> I'll play it, and then we'll have. We'll so that's a good it. point. Like, it sounds like that game was still super satisfying. Oh, I mean, like, I mean, it's it, it's like in in a category of a few other things. I mean, it, yeah. it's what we're talking like, you know, awesome small bad thing. So you yeah. you mentioned two thousand one, but like, what kind of equivalent film experiences have you had? Where like. It made you. I mean, did that game make you think a lot? Okay, well, I mean, like okay, so I have to say this. I mean, like, I want to talk about Ender's Game again. Yeah. Um, because like in in Ender's Game, the story, the film, right? Uh, the f- film, <laughs> it's fine. They, it's okay. They missed some crucial points. Yeah. But so I mean, like, uh, Ender's Game, the short story, it, it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the right. the the big a big part of it is that Ender thinks he's playing a game. Really managing these ships and he's mm-hmm. actually real mm-hmm. um, but it was originally a short story and the short story ends um, when he destroys the planet he eventually went, went back and turned it into a novella or whatever longer thing is and writes the part at the end um, and also includes like Ender playing this game with the giant um, on his game device yeah. um, and then like he encounters this place where he like finds these these physical places that were in the game on a planet mm-hmm. which is how he discovers the um uh, the queen right. and like you know my, my friend who gave me he's like you like this and he's like when you get to the last 10 pages you you won't be able to do anything you just have to read them <laughs> and it was, it was exactly the same way I was like yeah. he's utterly because like the, the story is awesome mm-hmm. and shocking mm-hmm. and then it's just like like it's almost it's surreal what's happening like, like oh my gosh like how is that possible mm-hmm. you know and it's an experience that you kind of only have the first time yeah. Yeah. and that was similar to when I played Bioshock Infinite because I hadn't played the first one there's a there's a classic reversal that happens in Bioshock Infinite that also happens in Bioshock 1. Um, well, I mean, it's well, different. Well, it's different in that, like, you do end up, spoiler, killing the guy you're going after in a very, very, very undramatic way. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. And then, like, you know, you, you achieve your goal, you do your thing, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. There's literally uh, a whole bunch of other dimensions that are mm-hmm. going on. You know, like, you know, it's almost like one of my favorite um, sort of er sci-fi time travel stories. Um, uh, What's it called? Uh, I think it's um, Who Are All uh, All You Zombies. Do you know this one? I don't. His name sounds familiar. Uh, it's like it's it's this story gets copied all the time, but it's a guy who's like a time travel. I think it's I, I'm super embarrassed. Like I think it's Ray Bradbury. Um, it might be somebody edgier than that. You look it up on your phone. Why, Doc? 
uh, I think it's like all you zombies who are okay. all you zombies. Anyway, it's like a, it's a time travel cop who goes back in time um, to like prevent a person from doing something. But you eventually find out that he is everyone in the story. He's himself, the person he's catching, the guy who's in the um, bar, you know, a person who gets a sex change later. How he's does, How does that work? He, it's just like him at different points in his life. Gotcha. You know, so it's like, you know, it's him as young and old and female and male. And he's like everyone in this story. That sounds really um, cool. And then the last line <laughs> is like, da, 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 like, I know who I am, but who are all you zombies? And like, they're all him. Um, just at different times in his life. Um, in a way that wow. it's, it, 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 it's a short, it's a super short story. Yeah. Um, but it. Robert A. Yeah, oh, Heinlein. So I, I did, we did talk about this because they turned it into a movie with Ethan Hawke, Predestination, yeah. which I remember the film sequence is like, it just felt like complete all set up in order to get to that sort of reveal. This is all the same person. Yeah. yeah. But so the thing about yeah. it though is for me, it's not that like it's like good science fiction has these two things. Like one, like, isn't it crazy that mm-hmm. you could be all these people? But the interesting thing is like, and I can relate to none of them, right? <laughs> you know, and, you, and, and it, it's that similar kind of thing that happens in Bioshock Infinite where you're like, not only do I not, I mean, you eventually don't even trust what you see or be, what you believe to be true, mm-hmm. what you see to be true, um, and then you see crazy stuff, like mm-hmm. yeah. really crazy stuff. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to, yeah, like... Yeah. characters are not who they think they are and you've been absolutely convinced in a very very good way for the yeah. 30 hours you've been playing it or 20 hours you've been playing it that these things are true and then like you know yeah. you mean, get killed by clones or something crazy yeah. like you know you're like <laughs> and then you're walking on bridges in multiple dimensions following it in your um this blows the mind and like it's it's not that those visual elements are mind blowing. Yeah, they're very simple, mm-hmm. like multiple copies of the same person. You know, right. blocks coming out of the ground. Yeah. But the way you get there in the story, um, and the way you are grounded in the reality of that place, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like you just kind of you know sort of stand there like as you would stand in awe of any big thing, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think video games as a player, you inhabit this weird Twilight Zone space of like. Yeah. You are a subject outside of the game. You are the player, and you have controls. You have a video game controller or something that you're controlling, but you're also the character in the game, right? Um, Especially, like, first person, you are walking around seeing that. Whereas in, like, a film, you often do identify maybe with the main character, but you know it's not you. You are um, following, and maybe you may be really invested in that character or those characters, but you understand that I am watching a story happen. I mean, which for you guys is kind of, like, more satisfying, would you say? I don't know. I've got to say, like, I you know, viewing somebody in a film that you mm. identify with, a Marion mm. Crane, if you will, like, yeah. that's, there's really nothing. Like, video games really can't quite. Well, um, what do you think makes that uh, strong identification? Is it? Because, because generally it's just because of what they're going through it's mm-hmm. their it's their arc it's their their story that draws you in mm-hmm. um i mean it's that's going to be a hard thing to to sort of replicate in a in a game scenario in which you're you know just going from point a to point b finding collectibles or shooting people it's mm-hmm. um it's generally in games the whole point is that you have agency yeah. Right. So in, yeah. in, in a film, you can you can subvert those expectations in a number of ways that you just right. can't do in a video game. Killing I mean, Marion Crane. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. I mean that would that would be interesting. Yeah. I would I would play that. But 
But yeah, I mean, in most video games, within a half an hour, you are, you know, blowing away bad guys in all right. sorts of gruesome ways. So I do have to say, in that, I, I don't know if this is actually relevant, but I have to say it because it, it involves a phrase that I made up and I want to share with people. <laughs> Ooh, well, um, it's, um, so I was watching, um, first of all, God bless Peter Jackson for doing a wonderful job with the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, yes. we first thank him thank for, yeah. for, like... Yeah. Not messing it up, mm-hmm. and then secondly, for like doing a masterful job with pretty much everything. And, and yeah. it's so funny. I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never read any of the books. I have like no affinity for them whatsoever. But wow, did he do a great job with those? Yeah. He actually made me care about those. Well, and yeah. I mean, first, you know, it's like for me, this is already like, but um, what makes it great, among other things, if I had to mention one thing, is like you know, if you watch the making of, like a year before they're filming, they have like trucks and trucks and trucks of armor and mm-hmm. weapons they had people make stuff and yeah. like that's what makes the film great but all that aside um i know he was put in a difficult situation in making the hobbit um but they're bad um really you think so y- yes okay i haven't seen all of them they're progressively though. worse yes okay, I, mean, I only saw the first one i thought it was pretty good first one's okay okay so in, in the first <laughs> one, <laughs> it has issues that's not where we're okay all right, all right i mean so okay the part of this is my Tron argument too, right? So like one of the reasons yeah. I like the first Tron, not the second Tron, is I feel like there was someone who was like artfully designing all those, you know, images. Right. Yeah. Second Tron, not so much. Eli disagrees. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, I just don't want to see um, there, so That's like good. you know, there's lots of um, uh, art, um, like both 2D art and there's the animated films of The Hobbit, which are all good. You may not love Rankin and Bass, but they they took vision mm-hmm. and a lot of other stuff. I mean, it, it it's a it's a good telling, right? right. Um, the, the Goblin King looks like a giant male sex organ. He looks like a giant scrotum. In the, the in, New Hobbit? In the New Hobbit. Yeah. He's, he's, he's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, and he's a bad character, and they end up in a horrible place. And then the worst thing in the world happens. So they try to work this angle in the story, which I like, which is like these are like regular dwarf dudes. They're out of their home. They're like immigrants. They're not, you know, like they're having a hard time. They're not skilled warriors, anyone except for Thorin. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they have various jobs. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like yeah. every man, guys. They're bending together. They're short. They're in a world which is not, you know, for them. They're getting other short people and a tall guy that shoots lightning for their quest. That's right. awesome. They escape the Goblin King and eventually become, here it is, like the Harlem Globetrotters of goblin slaying mm-hmm. in, in, in a second. Like, yeah. not only are they, like, beating these guys, they're also doing it while, like, flipping sideways and throwing things and jumping off of mm-hmm. things at the last second. Like, these, like if the Harlem Globetrotters existed in this universe and trained and choreographed this, they couldn't do a better <laughs> yeah, job than yeah. these guys. And then all of the things that I care about in the unique telling that Peter Jackson is doing with others um, is just gone. Yeah, I'm like I. That's an excellent. Point. I, I can't. Yeah, I think. And so and so that's the thing. Yeah. That's the point about video games, where you're like, I mean, one of the games that I um, uh, like to talk about is a game. It's like one of the few Cthulhu games called Call of Cthulhu: Dark Corners of the Earth. Yes, um, which I have played a bit. Of. Uh, yeah, like the first, you can play it for two or three hours and never shoot anyone. You have yeah. no weapons. Yep. you're walking around uh, and ev- like you know, and there aren't people trying to kill you at the beginning. There's yeah. the um, really, really difficult and annoying a scene where you have to escape from the Fishmen, right, yeah. which you play billions and billions of times yes. if you're me. I did. Um, and you're like, I'm going to get it. Oh! It's like, maybe if I push like the thing in front of the hole faster. Right. <clears throat> maybe if I lock the door first. Um, uh, you know, and so like it, it's, a, it's a world in which you have, you eventually get a gun and stuff and it becomes like other things. But I like the first part of it where, you know, you, you were in a world where people have guns and stuff and you don't. 
And you you have to succeed by being clever, moving places, and doing stuff. Um, Which I think something um, that I think uh, to step back into Dishonored, I think they maintain that a lot. Like like you can play that game without mm, killing more than a few people. Um, You can also turn into a gigantic bloodbath. Um, which I try not to. I, and not, I mean, not only can you not kill people in that game, but you can not kill them in really creative ways. Yeah, like, or like not even interact with them. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, there's whole achievements dedicated to just not even interacting Being with another noticed, human yeah. being in in the entire game. It's the man, the the way that we're able to ba- balance all of those elements without greatly divert, you know, diverging from one moment to the next is something else. It's, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I mean. Uh, that I, I in comparing like comparing a narrative experience in a film versus a game, mm-hmm. um, I mean I think that there's uh, you know um, I have yet to see the like like to echo what Tim said I've yet to see the game that creates a character that I inhabit mm-hmm. um, that it, that I identify enough with um, to make. Uh, that same kind of connection to a film because I, I think maybe if I just throw this out there I don't think it's really possible if I play that character right. you know there's a way like there are characters in stories that I really you know uh, have emotional connections with right. or have feelings about but like the the, the yeah, person you yeah. that you play they're always so hollow I mean to, to, yeah. like, so that I can fill that space right. and also yeah. I mean like there's also like I you know how many stories in which do you you play a person who's totally abandoned by everyone. You know, like, right, you right. are the most underdog that has ever underdogged underdogging. I mean, they, they try in a few video games. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's a few horror games where you are you have no weapons, you have no, nothing to defend yourself with, and you're just basically hiding from monsters the yeah. entire time. And those are generally successful in in making you feel a visceral response, yeah. but not necessarily mm-hmm. in identifying with a character. And I, I think that's kind of interesting and a little counterintuitive that you end up generally empathizing more with a character that you don't have any agency over and that are you that you're just observing partially mm-hmm. than if you quote unquote inhabit that character in a first person mm-hmm. perspective. I, I find that very interesting and I don't really I don't know how video games fix that or even if they should try. I mean maybe a few things about that. I mean it, it seems like it would have to be based off of the other characters. Like you said, they would have to be bouncing off of you. Well, and and, you, yeah. and and you know, to to put a point on that, like the original Bioshock is is a situation in which you don't know who you are. There's an unreliable narrative plot twist, mm-hmm. um, but the whole idea is that the only other character you're inter- interacting with is emotionally distraught in an incredibly difficult, yeah. vulnerable position in dire need of your help, and you sort of because you're helping him because. Mm-hmm. The system is powered on, and you're playing the game. Yeah, you sort of, you sort of latch onto that. Well, I must be a good person. I'm helping this per, you know, I'm helping this guy. I'm saving his mm-hmm. family. He's this, you know, poor Irish immigrant who's in this this difficult position. You know, yeah. he wanted a better life for his family. I mean, the situation couldn't be more <laughs> perfect for you know. So it. Yeah. You know, I, that that's a situation in which you, you know that it, it really it, it's it's to the benefit of the game that you don't know who you are, how you got there, but all your all all you know about yourself is being reflected by this other character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and and that's like the I mean, uh, you know, 
one of Bioshock's coolest innovations. You're like, yeah, yeah, I mean, no big deal. Like, how, how could it be anything other? Like, somebody's in trouble. I go help them. She's like, all these, it's just like mist, That's you know? What like, games are, you get the right? red pages, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then it turns out, whoa. You know, yeah. like, uh, all the stuff that I don't know is actually really important. <laughs> like, what happened before yeah. I showed up here? Yeah. Um, Do you guys think VR will change that or has a chance to change that, that you will... I think it really has a chance to because it, it can put you even more directly into that that blank canvas's shoes, that mm-hmm. you're, that avatar that you're controlling. Mm-hmm. And depending on the interactions that you have with other characters, they can really inform how you play the game. It's You know, there's a lot of, of studios and game makers that are really trying to thread that needle of right. interactivity but still have, ha- have a narrative that's strong. Mm-hmm. And and that can be crafted by the creators, and um, I I feel like we're very I feel like we're tantalizingly close. close to that to realizing that. Well, there's but. this other so like there's a, a, a there's a fictional video game uh, that exists in uh, Fault in Our Stars. Which have you, have you read this book? <laughs> I have not. No, is a great. I, it. I mean, a friend of mine suggested it to me. I actually kind of love it. I know mm-hmm. it is popular or something. I don't know, but yeah. Um, so there's a character who's uh gets like eye cancer mm-hmm. and um uh, loses his eyes. Okay. And so there's this I don't I think the guy's like Major Mayhem or some sort of character in the story and he's like a, he has a video game he's like a like he has a schlocky books and like a like a Halo esque video game series mm-hmm. named after him but there's a there's a there's like a mission in one of the games um, where he's in a room that's completely dark um, and, and and the characters like there's no light and you play the game essentially through like a like a uh, Xbox Connect kind of thing, you just talk. You're like, I'm going to move forward. And you can actually play with other people and the game interacts with how you talk. Um, and so for me, like one of the things that um, I find like that um, kind of draws me out, or one of the things that draws me into a game is like when people talk to me or like, mm. like I actually have some sort of like, you know, it's not like, hey, I want to talk to you. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do on your next mission. You're just going to sit there while I drink this thing in this bar. <laughs> but when someone's like, hey, like, can you help me? And you're like, oh, you actually want me to do something. Oh, I'm actually here. Right. You know, because other times it feels like I'm just a camera that kills people. You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, I mean, you know, gazing into the future, it would be cool to have, you know, a game where, like, I actually talk to it. You know, right. you, have, you have conversations with people. Right. Um, because even, you know, as much as, um, like, people physically doing things is, you know, is important in films, like, people, ha- I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old, so people have to talk to each other. Yeah, I right. have to hear and feel that emotion and anticipation and all that stuff in the voice. And to have a game that in which that's part of it, um, I think would, would have a fundamentally different, like, a, that's, that's like a next level experience. Well, but, I mean, there are, there are games that do that right like all the bioware rpgs anything in which there's branching narratives depend like you can no but i want to actually talk oh i see oh you mean like physically yeah 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 i mean like i i wanted to i would be like hey like what are you doing like hey what are you talking to me about i'm like i want to ask you about this thing oh man i know i mean it's like man come on did you ever play that for the dreamcast no i I don't this is a tangent but um so all dreamcast (laughs) is a tangent it, it really is uh there was a microphone attachment on the controller and there was like a fish with like a Japanese salaryman's face, uh, and you would tell him to like do fantastic. stuff, and he would, huh. and things got kind of weird. <laughs> That's the, the coda to that. Story but I mean, because I mean, like I can like talk to. I mean, I don't know if if I sound modern or old in doing this, but like <laughs> I can talk to my like phone and tell it to do something, and it yeah. very quickly knows what I asked it to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it, you know, and yeah. it's really interesting to do that. You yeah. know, just imagine like how cool. I mean, how cool would it be if you know. Tim's knowledge of Japanese, which is not extensive, but is limited. Do you know some Japanese? I don't know. 
Really not. No, I mean, I know, like, enough to order sushi at a restaurant. No. But just that's imagine, just imagine like, if you're someone that's, like, that knows a few languages. Okay. And, and like, you could, like, use that as a skill in a game. Yeah. And people are like, da da da, da and he like like speaks oh, to you in Spanish, you can and you can that, yeah. you both understand and speak back in Spanish. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just, I mean, because I think um, there is a way in which you can be more immersed in that character, um, and you know that like, because uh, oh, what I was saying before that like we often identify with characters that we are not inhabiting more. Right. I think there's a way in which, uh, for me, that one of the reasons that happens is because. We see that person interact with people, but so rarely do, does the person, like the avatar, interact with other people in a substantial or meaningful emotional right. way. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because it's too hard to program, it's too hard to figure out. Because I'm like, yeah. I can shoot people like their entire like <laughs> companies that are de- like designed right. that like they yeah. just do the physics of bullets into flesh. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you know, certainly like you know, like uh, Unreal is like we need we need f- you know physics for stuff. <laughs> right, you know, but right. I, I can imagine a company saying, okay, well we do like there's a company who did. I think they're vision effects. I don't. They they did all like the 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 facial stuff for XCOM too, and like they just have a right. like you you know you map you make your face that has a certain number of vertices, and yep. we 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 sell you the emotion. Mm-hmm. There's for that there's face. whole studios that just do yeah. capture mm-hmm. or yeah. yeah you know and so I think that there there's certainly a place yeah. for someone that's like okay so we uh you want to have your you want to actually talk through a microphone and have it do stuff like. By our module. Well, you know, maybe if Xbox One had done a little bit better on <sighs> the gate, we'd still have Connect, and then. But I'm surprised that something like that, like what you're talking about, never actually happened. I know, but I mean, when I think about VR, I mean, because there's this, there's a boutique ness to VR that, especially for the time being, yeah, it's that that I that, that I think allows some like. Um, I don't know unnecessary extravagance. Yeah, and and I, I wouldn't I would I would be excited to see someone like um, demo some kind of voice module. Yeah. I just because just I mean there are I mean like we had talked about playing um, the Wolf Among Us. Yeah, which Eli, you've seen some. Of it? I played some of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. it, I love it. It's great. Um, you know, and and I, I like inhabiting that world as Bigby. Um, I would also I would love to tell that story and never press a button. You know, like I would yeah, love to be able to like right, be like, right. Sometimes hey, snow, hey, wait, snow. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and and because I think that there's there's just something about using the the voice. There, there's something about um, having all this lush story mm-hmm. tucked into four colored buttons yeah. that um, I somehow would like to get. Can be a little bit limiting, but it, you know, I mean, if you were to respond, just saying the potential voice commands that are on the screen, I mean, would that really change things? Well, but just imagine like a really robust, like some like. What, but what you're talking about was really just expanding the options from four buttons to more. No, well, what, but you I mean, say whatever you wanted. So I, I mean, mean that I mean that way is, I mean, how would that even work? I mean, you need some artificial intelligence. Yeah, <laughs> they could do that, right? I mean, but like, so well, I mean, simple. So, so just imagine, yeah, like, yeah. like all the, all the possibility of the complexities of all those old, you know, branching yeah. and clicking things. Yeah. Um, but created into some sort of like, um. Complicated, like like you have it. You're 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 what what's programmed is not what are these responses to my things, but um, there's a person that has a goal. They have something they're hiding. Gotcha. You know, and so like, and then you have you know some manner of artificial intelligence or algorithm like help like prevents you or helps you navigate getting through those things. Right. You know, so that so that you're inter- interacting with a you know like a, a matrix of a person and, and not just a series of choices. Right. Um. You know, and, and just I just think. I just think it would be super fun to be like you're sitting down at the bar and they're like, "So what's up?" and you're like, "How are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm fine." 
but why do you ask like that so so what do you mean like what so i totally agree with you and i think that's definitely where we're headed but um one of the issues with that is that there is a whole subset of the gaming community that exists solely to break the experience yeah 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 and and i mean pickles yeah exactly like you know, do you really want to break up? And the answer is Belgian waffle. You know, you, yeah. you, you've got to program for every eventuality. And there are a lot of people who, who find a lot of joy in that, like the speedrunning community and all these other things that are, are trying to find exploits. And they're just, they, it's, not that, it's not that they're antagonistic towards the game creator or the, the narrator or whoever's getting the experience. It's just that they want to feel like they understand the universe it's being created in. You know, so... I. You know, I uh, that is that is one obstacle to that eventuality. But oh I think yeah, we'll yeah. Get there. So I, I wanna, mean, I want to go on a weird yeah. tangent. So, uh, kind of talking about where the experience could take us. I don't know if this is completely true, but when Avatar came out, people watched it in three D, and they claimed that they had memories of being on that planet and stuff after they watched the film. I don't know if you heard about that, like they would like dream, and they said they had like dreams and stuff and memories, like as if they were there. In that new experience. So I think if we talk about VR and going in that direction, is there potential that we can experience things and sort of have that be so immersive that we sort of confuse our own narratives with where we are? And that ties... All it goes to the show. Yeah, all goes to the show. <laughs> and also, you brought up, you wanted to mention, like, Westworld, the TV show. Yes, yeah. And I think that kind of plays out like a real-world video game in some sense, where you can yeah. experience a narrative, and I think it also dealt with how real is that narrative, how immersed right. can you be in, um, and do you... Like I said, what's the comparison of that to, like, real life? Um, I mean, I think like, that's that, I think that's kind of where the future of... Um, storytelling is going for both mediums is mm-hmm. that sort of that breakdown between fantasy and reality and mm-hmm. Westworld is an ex- excellent example because it really it uses a lot of the tropes in from video games to tell its story right um, it it sort of gives people it sort of gives its characters its mm-hmm. actors the illusion of choice to sort of I mean obviously everything is scripted it's it's happening in real time right. but um, it presents uh, multiple possibilities for mm-hmm. its characters, and they go down one path or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, you know, throughout. I, I haven't finished the series yet, so I don't know exactly how it ends. But uh, at various points throughout I'll the story, it takes that step back mm-hmm. so that you can see kind of like the meta game. You can see how what you're witnessing in the Westworld theme park yeah. is actually radiating outside to the real world players that created it mm-hmm. and everything. So there's uh, there's all sorts of fascinating parallels yeah, between is. Westworld and video games and the the writers and creators of the show have actually um, you know cited a number of video games as 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 being um, yeah influences and I think actually like so there's a really great author that both of y'all should read um, named Charles Yu who's the, I think he's the script supervisor or story editor for the show. He's written a couple novels. He's uh, written a lot of short fiction, and he does a lot of this really interesting sort of near-future science fiction, and he's... uh, I really liked... um, What was his book about? Time travel? Oh, uh, yes, yes. It was uh, How to Survive in a Multidimensional Universe? Uh, That might be completely Something like that. Science fictional, science fiction, something like that. Yeah, that kind of a term that's not yeah. real. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I did yeah. see that he was a writer on there, which was really interesting. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that that show demonstrates like the idea of good and bad players, like somebody yes. who's trying to just like break the game yep. or 
um, plays it badly or they're not fun to play with because they don't do what they're supposed to right. or like they kind of go off in their own direction. Yeah, and it's um, sort of, it, I mean, it sets up sort of like bad characters and mm-hmm. good characters in terms of gaming. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's kind of interesting. Inc- incidentally, like they've done a lot of research on what people actually do when confronted with, mm-hmm. with ethical choices in video games. And the, the Jeremy the, would do the other Yeah, well, <laughs> apparently. But, yeah. but, I mean, every video game from from the past ten years that has given people an option, at mm. least ninety percent of people on their first playthrough at least will always choose the benevolent or good option, mm. which I find infinitely interesting. It doesn't matter yeah. the game, it doesn't matter the scenario, it doesn't matter how how ambiguous mm. the moralizing is. People will always choose to do the good thing. Yeah, because they uh, uh, that's not what I would think. So there's hope no. in the world. It, it's, it's really, it's really. Yeah, I, I was thought of funny in Westworld that Anthony Hopkins is like the the creator of this world and stuff, and he sort of has these like high hopes about yeah. people come here to experience like you know who it is inside of themselves and stuff. <laughs> like no, they come there to no. kill things and rape women. And, and, yeah, like, and that's it, what they yeah. have an excuse. Yeah. Like Anyways, I, I, yeah. I like that show for so many reasons. Not yeah. not the least of which is that there's so little that they don't that they tell you. There's really yeah, yeah. It, you get the feeling watching it that you're in you're in the middle of whatever narrative is has gone, and it's mm-hmm. just such a long and detailed narrative that you don't miss whatever instigating action there was. You just don't. Yeah. You don't care because it's too fascinating a world to yeah. look away. How many it's episodes do you have? So great. Um, I think we're about six or seven in. Okay, just wait. And, and I, I, There's I, something big coming, I think, right? Is, big okay. Coming. I mean, I, I have no I've idea. I've watched zero, but I, I know I have no idea where the story is going because every ten minutes, it, it again, like a video game, it presents a new possibility mm-hmm. for the narrative both within the story and outside of it so it's I, I mean it's a lot to keep track of but it's such a detailed world that's just so well presented I mean I I could care less about westerns as a, as a genre yeah, it's so beside easier, the yeah. point yeah. I, I feel like it's almost chosen because it's so almost anachronistic mm-hmm. that's true uh, yeah. you know and so yeah black hats white hats I mean like every, like nearly every like anyone who ever wears a white hat <laughs> it, it, they're Will Kane. They're all Will Kane. Yeah. They're, they're all him from High Noon. Like yeah. the, the show uh, plays with that really interestingly. Okay, yeah. knowingly they do that because at, at one point, like you start the game and you, they're like, get dressed to be in the west. You know, in the yeah. Western world. Like, at one point, he has like, do I change yeah. the the white black, hat or, or the, the black, black hat? hat. Yeah. And it has repercussions later yeah. and stuff. So a question I had for you guys, kind of on this uh, graphics quality, because this was always a hindrance to me, and I think a reason maybe I didn't initially get into video games quite as much, as far as like really big narratives and stuff, like let's say more like role playing video games or something like that, is bad graphics where I go and talk to people and make choices and have. To, I was like, well, I don't feel like I'm in that world very much. I know that might be just, you know, me, certain people really like that, but now that I feel like games are evolving much more in the quality of the visuals that I, uh, that's more interesting to me, I think. All right, can, yeah. I, can I go first? Yeah. I might talk a lot of stuff, but I mean, one of the first games that I had like a deep emotional connection with was Final Fantasy three, which I think is Final Fantasy seven, elsewhere? Oh, six. Six. Um, I mean, cause all, I mean, first of all, it's like, I mean, it's the only game I've ever played where you like uh, play you 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 sing opera as, as one <laughs> yeah. of your tasks, um, but you meet these characters and the music is wonderful. And I mean, but it's but you meet these interesting characters who, I mean, part of their appeal to me is like you don't know if they're adults or kids. They're just like 
people that have mm-hmm. you have an emotional connection with. Mm-hmm. And it's it's 16-bit graphics, you know, so it's like it's not like you can tell that they have facial features and stuff. <laughs> There's a face. Um, yeah, you I know, did and, play seven. Oh, oh yeah, okay. And I was pretty impressed with like. Well, yeah, I mean, th- like, three is. It's different. Um, one step. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, it because it was for the uh, Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. and seven was for the PlayStation. Yeah. Um, you know, so not 3D, but like you know, and it's 2D people moving. Mm-hmm. But like you know, in some sense, like you know, I remember like the night when I had to sing the opera. You know, and I was like so utterly into this mm-hmm. moment. You know, like because yeah. like I mean, because it's like um. Or, or even if it's like seeing like an old black and white film or something, like it, it's like the the things are just um, I don't know what the fancy term is. They're just they're just things signifying other things. Like yeah, it, the, the image right. of the image of a person in a film is just something that signifies a person to me. It's the same mm-hmm. in a video game. Like they're just these sprites. Um, if they're filled out enough in what they do and who they are and what they I say, believe, yeah. like they like it doesn't like it doesn't look like a person, but it has the things that signify a person. It feels like a person, you know, and, and that's sort of how you connect. It, with it's it. just like being able to connect with a cubist work of art versus a photograph. Yeah. I mean, it's just an it's, it's an abstraction. It's um, it one isn't necessarily better or worse than another. It's just that what can suspend your disbelief enough to engage with it. That's so really in some terms like. It's the same as film. Like a film can look great, yeah. but like if those characters are not written well and I'm not invested in them, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna care much about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, the same thing. and there's two. I mean, and I also got to say, like I've been playing. I don't know if I talk about. I'm playing Transformers Devastation, which is this new uh, sort of visionary um, project <laughs> that um, some guys are doing, uh, revisioning sort of like the Transformers world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great, but it, it's also, it's like a rotoscope style of animation. And what's great about it is like, like, you know, like the images distort as you do stuff, like your arms get, you know, like it's mm-hmm. it's a drawn image. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, sometimes I get so tired of watching, I was telling Tim earlier, like a th- someone creates a really detailed three-dimensional model that moves in space, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, it's like, but people don't do that. Like our skin moves and our clothes move and stretch and, it, yeah. you know, and it's like, like I'd rather I'd rather have someone like plan out those frames or have distortion. You know, like I, I love when we use fisheye in films. Like I, yeah, I like yeah. like a, a slightly distorted image conveys so much more to me than like a super crisp. Like well, it looks it, awesome. It's like but. it's like why Wind Waker and some of these other yeah. Zelda games have 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 been you know have persisted more and, and gotten more critical prizes because the designers have chosen some level of abstraction yeah. by cell shaded graphics or, or or something like that and what it, what it's done is that it's you if you can get past that hurdle then you you know that 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 art style is gonna sort of it, it's gonna it's gonna live on it's gonna still be it's still gonna look good 20 years 40 years from now regardless of the level of yeah of graphical fidelity because that's yet. what yeah. they chose and i it's funny a lot of people don't feel this way but i'm an old man so i feel the same <laughs> way about like 16-bit graphics like yeah. 16-bit sprites can be gorgeous because yeah you look at like you know the the squares that they were made on like you know the you know, ten by ten squares, and mm. why did they choose to make that square white as opposed to yellow, right. or this, that? Like the painstaking amount of details and really difficult decisions as to like what pixel was going to look. Because there's only so much. It's not like only so we'll just like add an, right. add six thousand more vertices. It's like any other art form. Like you, mm. the 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 fact that you you know the fact that there's limitations placed upon it doesn't necessarily right. make it worse. It just makes it you know different. And I I feel like that's that's true of a lot of of. Um, current games that that choose to look a certain way it almost it almost feels like they're kind of preserving their visual legacy right. in and, a way oh, oh that's 
That's really well said. Yeah. Um, I also have to say um, that, like, a, a, as a game player and as, like, a kid who, like, never had, like, the best system <laughs> yeah. for computers and stuff, like, I always value someone, like, dialing down the graphics and focusing on motion. Yes. Like, like I like, yeah. you know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. like, um, I love this game, um, uh, Battleheart Legacy for the iOS. Like, it's, it's you know, it's uh, sort of simple. I mean, it's 3D, but it's, like, it's it, it's not super complicated. It's not, you know, it's not like um, uh, Infinity Blade or something. Right. You know, I mean, and so, and because of that, you can focus on, you know, exactly how things look and the, the way people move in the space, which right. conveys, like, a lot, especially if I'm talking about, like, how a person is or, a, like, uh, you know, an animal is moving. Like, seeing it move is, like, much, it conveys much more information to me than it right. looking like something. Right. It's because like, if I, you know, like, if I'm playing like a like a late '90s 3D game, I'm like, ah, they're like, your face <laughs> is a square. Right. I'm like, it does have the like yeah. the patina of a human face, right. but it's shaped like a square, you know. And so, like, I am not into it. But right, <laughs> and oddly, like the games that came before, like seven or eight years ago, like the Final Fantasy games yeah. for, for Super NES, look better. Well, and uh, I, I, I also, at least they've, they've, they've aged better. Yeah, you can, you know, it's not like, ugh, like, laser disc. <laughs> right. you know? um, like, one of the games that I, I felt like I had to talk about is a game called The Immortal. Did you ever play that for the regular Nintendo? That sounds really familiar. It I mean, is, I've played every NES game. Yeah. So I mean, so it's, 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 you, sorry, you, you play this little wizard, but, like, the the graphics are... Um, oh, is that... Is that a, is that sort of like a three quarters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perspective, yeah. Okay. And it's like, I like, I was like, uh, the graphics are amazing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mainly because, like, I don't know why, but it it, it looks like it's, an like on a computer. <laughs> like it looks like it's like several hundred thousand years ahead of its time. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm like, it's like looking at Mario, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I think it's. Bec- I, I don't know how they do it, but it looks like it's like on a different system. Yeah. Like because because the way your character moves in yeah. this space, I was just like blown away. I'm like, this is on a Nintendo. Yeah. It's like how's that? So I mean, I, I wanted to shout out for you know, whoever whoever made the immortal out there. <laughs> I, was, I don't I don't remember who made that, but cool. Um, I think we will start to wrap up, but I know Tim, you mentioned to me before we did this that uh, the term ludo narrative dissonance. Oh yeah, uh, which yeah. I think is. Is a lot of what we're talking around. It is. So, it actually. Uh, we, we, if you could explain that a little bit. Yeah. Right? So we've we've hit uh, upon it at various points in the evening. But yeah. um, so I think it was it was uh, somebody at LucasArts Games, which was a company in the um, '80s and I think early '90s mm-hmm. that made a lot of these sort of point and click adventures for mm-hmm. mostly for PC, although a few games did get ported to NES. Yeah. But they um, they I think one of their most famous games is probably uh, Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle. Um, and it, it basically it was just, it was, uh, coined as a way to, I don't know what the Ludo in the Ludo narrative means, but it was just, uh, a, a way to sort of, sort of give, give, uh, a name to the fact that, um, oftentimes what you're doing in a game, mm-hmm. like the gameplay loop is almost in direct, um, conflict with the narrative or the advancement of their mm-hmm. narrative. Mm-hmm. This is something that has plagued video games for years and still yeah. continues to be, but, but, um, it's not really much of an issue if you consider that the the primary purpose of games is to entertain from a gameplay standpoint, right. and narrative is secondary. Which mm-hmm. I still, you know, I this might be this might be like blasphemy to say, say on yeah. this particular podcast. But <laughs> I, as much as I love video game narratives and as much strides as they've made, I, mm-hmm. I'm still mostly playing uh, for the gameplay loop. The gameplay, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just sort of you know, uh, there's a lot of, of a lot of um, examples of this that get thrown around, but. You know, I think one of the most current ones is the Uncharted games in which, you know, Nathan Drake, um, he's this happy-go-lucky 
uh, treasure hunter who's who's on the prowl for these um, lost artifacts, sort of an Indiana Jones type character, mm-hmm. who's um, you know from the moment to moment gameplay is hiding behind cover and shooting tons of people. And yeah. you know, I mean, they are bad guys or presented <laughs> as quote unquote bad guys, right. but he's still just blowing them away. Yeah. He's not saying like, "Whoa, I don't want any trouble." Yeah, the way just you know gonna, yeah. most humans would. Yeah. So it's you know it, it's that it's that type of thing that that plagues video games. It's that it's that thing that that keeps people from dropping their suspension of disbelief and and fully immer- immersing themselves in it. And just the way that that various video game creators have have really tried to tackle that is is mm. interesting. You know, mm. not to go, not to harp on it too much, but you know, in Dishonored, if you don't want to kill anyone, you don't have to. And and if you kill someone, you're not like. There's no one you can kill really that doesn't have serious consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's and it's you know, I mean, I'm not you know, I, I played Doom last year as well, so I'm absolutely not violent at first. <laughs> but the game is a lot more fun if you don't kill people. It's just a hmm. much better experience. Um, so you know, there's these things are being dealt with constantly, and there's so many games, especially I want to reiterate in the indie space. There's so many games in which. You know, it's not even about necessarily violence. Not that mm-hmm. there's anything wrong with that, and um, the story is is conveyed through uh, puzzles or quests mm-hmm. or interpersonal reactions, um, interpersonal um, conversations or interactions with other characters, and that's really what advances the the, the narrative. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just something to think about when you're when you're playing, and it, it it's not something that should really you know come in between you and, and the game playing experience but it's if you're approaching it from um, a film standpoint it's the first thing that you're going to stop and think about like well if this is the story of the game right. then why am I doing ABC yeah. you know? and it, some of that I notice bleeding into film a little bit mm-hmm. and TV where you know uh, I just recently watched the first John Wick I know the second one uh, just came out, but yeah. uh, it was a great action movie. Yeah. But like, why does he feel the need to shoot every person in the head? Like he'll shoot yeah. them twice and then be like in the head, and it just feels like I have to finish these guys. Yeah, I have to get through them, and he kills a lot of people in that. Right, and yeah. so it's just the weird and kind of the same thing with The Walking Dead, which has a little more relevance because you have to, you know go through the brains yeah. to destroy them, but it's like... That at least has, like, a MacGuffin, like, a, right. a reason why you need to do that. But I mean, it's still often, like, I have to go from yeah, this point to that point. There's all sorts of other problems. And there's eight things here that I have to get past, yeah. which feels like, you know, there's these game yeah. tasks to get to the next point. Can we you know? just talk about The Walking Dead for a minute? Do, is, are people still <laughs> enjoying that show? Uh, is that... We are... Is that thing? We are a little behind. Okay. But uh, we discussed it sometimes. I feel like if I wanted to watch like a 30-hour Ingrid Bergman film, I would just... <laughs> I mean, it's... it's um, well, it's funny. So to, to sort of very slowly circle around to your to your last point about, yeah. um, about how VR might actually like sort of blur that line, you know? Mm. I feel like this is something that both mediums have kind of struggled with, you know, here and there. But... Yeah. You know, I mean, when I was 10 and binging Tetris and closing my eyes to go to sleep uh-huh. and seeing Tetris blocks fall, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's not that far of, it's not that you big know. Big of a leap, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, that's that's always going to be kind of a thing where one might inform the other. And, mm-hmm. you know, certainly there are some game makers out there that are, that are doing things with, like, augmented reality games and whatnot mm-hmm. where they're actually taking the game... And, and building some sort of meta narrative around it outside of the game space. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the games that I play um, occasionally, uh, The Binding of Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that <laughs> I've, I've occasionally. I've sunk, yeah, I've sunk um, some time into it. Um, so, uh, so it's a game. Uh, talking about narratives, the gameplay is very simple. It's just a kid trying to um, uh, uh, sort of navigate a series of dungeons. The the um, the narrative is that his his mom is. Um, uh, been watching Christian programming all day and hears the voice of God telling her to kill her son. So it's a really kind of actually awful story of child abuse and um, being a helpless, terrified child, which everybody has been at some point. And it's... Um, uh, so its creator created this augmented reality well, game. I, I, you also like fight demons with your tears. Yeah, you fight demons with, with your, your tears. tears. There's a lot of poop in the game and a lot of blood. I do and, that a lot. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty standard stuff for a yeah. video yeah. game. But um, so the so the creator made this augmented reality game where he you know he had a series of clues. Um, some of them were posted on his Twitter, and the whole like there was a whole community on Reddit and some other things that were sort of mm-hmm. piecing together clues of this. And what it was is that there was an expansion for the game that came out. Um, but some of the content was missing and people wanted to know where it was. Mm. So they followed the sort of um, uh, trail of breadcrumbs on his Twitter where he would like post these cryptic messages and then people would figure out like if you took the first letter of each word in the message, mm. it spelled out a thing. So some of them uh, pointed to Bible verses, but um, eventually over the course of a month, people realized that it was actually map coordinates mm. um, to appear in Santa Monica, Monica Beach. A group of people went out there, like a handful of four or five people. They found a poster saying, you know, missing boy, and it was um, Isaac from the game, and a phone number to call. They called the phone number and got a series of, like, beeps that they then transcribed into an address uh, somewhere in, I think, California. There was an abandoned warehouse. They went into the abandoned warehouse. They found an X on the floor. They didn't know what to do, and then um, the creator of the game posted another cryptic message that was, like, dig here, where X marks the spot. They Uh dug it up. They found a doll... That had all these messages on it, which were more riddles that they had to decode, <laughs> and they were actual. It was actually wow. like, um, yeah. So the, then the code unlocked a playable character in the game. I mean, this is something mm. that is obviously not just a video game thing. A scavenger hunt is, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. is um, can definitely exist outside the game space. But this was yeah. something that that the game created to sort of augment. Um, the experience of playing the game narrative and make it more about the community and how all these people working together were able to put together this this story themselves. That's pretty amazing. So, yeah, it's, I like it. um, there's some articles on there uh, on the internet uh, about it, and I, I urge um, anyone to go out there and, and read about it. It's a really fascinating story. I, uh, I think we should wrap up. But Jeremy might have something else to say. Um, you look like you do. Oh, the one thing I wanted to say is like, I mean, getting back to my like, like playing Final Fantasy three and dramatically singing opera. Yeah. I mean, part of it, which I think is has in common with film, is like there. It, it kind of it's uh, the 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 memory of doing something is also um, dependent on like where you are at that particular time. You know, like because mm-hmm. you know, like um, yeah, you know, like um, one example sort of I, I always give. Well, it's not a great example, but. I'll say it anyway. Yeah. Like when I watched The Sixth Sense, uh-huh. um, it was yeah. after everybody had seen it, and someone's like, "Hey, I'll tell you the thing. Like he, you know, he's the secret. He's dead." Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought it was the kid, right? So I thought oh, the kid was dead. Yeah. So my first viewing of the film was very different, <laughs> right? Right. Because you know, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I got it. He's dead. That's why nobody can see him." You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. "Oh wait, the other guy." <laughs> um, you know, and you know, and sitting like I, I remember like playing Final Fantasy three. Uh, you know, like in my you know like in my room, like you know, totally immersed in this 
space. I would look forward to doing it, you know, and mm-hmm. I was so excited about it. Um, you know, and it was, you know, like, so it, it also encapsulates a time in my life. I'm sure there, I mean, yeah. like, uh, seeing a particular film or reading a particular book, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, you know, and it might be a moment in a book or something. There, it's like, I think the way in which those elements sort of connect with parts of your life that yeah. are sort of what make them memorable, you know, and some right. of that's like, you, you yeah. can't, you can't manage the rest of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, I think it's what goes into making it an experience. But you were talking about wrapping up, though. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, I think why I want to talk about this is because, like I said, I'm not a big gamer, but I started to realize, like, how far games had advanced. Maybe I'm missing something out of... Because I, I do love storytelling and yeah. games in general, and I'm like, maybe I would have a strong reaction or experience that I'm missing out on these great narratives that I haven't tried. Um, and, and certainly there's times, it's not exactly the narrative, but I play games and you get, you know, you hit those hard points where maybe you have to try it a few times and you have to figure out these puzzles and you get through that. And it is like this relief that's like satisfying. And you're like, wow, I did that finally. And it's this physical, emotional thing. And I don't really get that very often at all for, from films. It may make me think deeply or feel something strong, but I don't have that like, physical in-body reaction, you know. To well, just as an there. aside, I mean, yeah. so there's a lot of modern games I've seen this, especially in the past two years, where, um, you know, when you boot up the game and start it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll get a difficulty, um, an option to, to play oh, easy, right, right. normal, yeah. hard. Yeah. There are some games now that will explicitly say, choose this mode if you just want to experience the story and the characters, mm. and you don't want yeah. a really difficult uphill battle. Right. So... You know, yeah, that would take a little yeah. research to look into, but yeah. there's a lot of games that actually mm. will explicitly say, like, look, we put a lot of time into yeah, this narrative. Yeah. We don't want the the you know perceived the skill of the player yeah. or whatever to 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 you know be a barrier mm. to that. So. Yeah. yeah. And I mean like as a player, like most times I like it makes Tim look askance at me. Like I, I play them on easy first <laughs> to get the story and then I go back and do it harder. And Tim's like, but easy's too easy. Well, it, you know, it really depends on the person. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't begrudge anybody like whatever option they want. <laughs> Do you hear that's that? Why, voice? Do you no, hear that? I would, but that's this is the thing though. Is I feel like you're under kind of underselling your skills. Yeah, as a gamer. Yeah, I feel like you could beat mm. those games on normal. Yeah. But well, I mean, one of the, the one experience that I do had in, well, one physically gratifying experience I had in the game was like playing the original Half Life, which I loved to death. Great story. Mm-hmm. There's a point where like where where many of the faint-hearted quit. It's like you're you're, you're you're in this like this abandoned giant industrial facility and like you look out and there's like these series of boxes hanging from the ceiling um and there does not appear to be any way to get from where you are (laughs) to where you need to go and you don't know where you need to go you just know that you can't go back where you were um and you eventually have to like jump on all these like hanging they're like suspended boxes being carried somewhere um and like you know you look at it and you're like i'm like for me so i'm looking at it i'm like where's the thing is there like a ladder somewhere and then i'm like oh the boxes i'm like am i gonna have to jump on those boxes to get somewhere i'm like no it's not you know i'm like i I try it five times i die (laughs) all five times i'm like there's got to be some other way and then i'm like i actually have to get this is the way forward over these boxes (laughs) right you know and then like and then you know and because it also like yeah and there's also like a like a boost jump that you almost never use Mm -hmm. and you're like how do I even do that? I hit shift before, you know, yeah. and then you do it and you're like, I, I have conquered <laughs> I the boxes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I, I think, I mean, as a player, like a good game asked me to do that not more than once or twice. Mm. Mm. Um, balance, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
because uh, too much of it, and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just save scrubbing this thing. I'm like, <laughs> I just died eight thousand times. Like, right. there's like a pile of my body is down there. Right. Um, oh, the the one I did have this one thing. I, I, I it's hard. For, uh, I wanted to mention Minecraft. I know your son okay. is getting into it, and I'll say it quickly. But yeah. um, there's a lot of stuff that's awesome about Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which is in the, in terms of like like narrative dissonance. Um, you uh, like if you get weapons by making them. Um, so mm-hmm. like you mine iron to right. make iron weapons. Yeah. Um, and uh, there there is like a I mean it's an interesting kind of game because it's like a huge sandbox and like there is like an an end you can go to. It's actually called the end. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but it's not at all. I've never I've never like I've, the game is also like tremendously difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, so I've never really done it like not on the like the creative mode. Um, but like you get to, like you play the game in a way that like all the stuff you do is like how you get stuff. You want a cake, you bake a cake. You know, you don't like right. kill a guy to like get like cake tokens and then like put it in right. a cake machine and get cake. Like you're kind of building the world at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, I remember like this is kind it, of yeah. weird, but like I remember when I started playing Farmville, you know, uh, I like I wanted to be an organic farmer. So like I, I didn't use a, <laughs> I didn't use a tractor, you know, and I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, yeah. you know, and I feel like that there's a, you know, even in like when I play Minecraft with my kids, like I like you know like I have a way that I like to I like have stuff to be organized you know yeah. I, you know like I have a way that I like to play the game yeah. um, that you know it, it affects you know like how how the game is played you know like mm-hmm. or how you know the results in the game but it's also like I don't ever feel like I I have to do something pointless to get to do mm-hmm. to do an unrelated thing yeah. to an item yeah. um, and you know and it, it's all and so that's fun mm-hmm. um, and interesting uh-huh. um, I'm all tired the other thing I wanted to say is well I even remember it. Oh, is it, um, like, for those of you that know about Minecraft, you, of course, know about this, but for those that don't, I mean, like, there's an entire universe of, like, people playing Minecraft, making Minecraft maps for other people. It, like, uh, Minecraft mm-hmm. itself has become just I kind of... The universe might be an understatement. Yeah, multiverse. Community. It's um, really you know, I mean, crazy. but yeah. it, the game has become, like, a, uh, like, a just, like, a platform. Like, mm-hmm. a, you know, it's like right. a... Um, and, and that's, and, like, because then it allows for all different kinds of... Um, narratives in it, you know, but right. but the, but there are still these like these common experiences, like the first night, right? The game, mm-hmm. the game starts, yeah. mm-hmm. and you have to build because like the the the, the world, um, yeah, like uh, evil things come out of the darkness. So you, yeah. You're gonna have to build some place to survive. The first night, you can go up a tree. There's like mm-hmm. thousand things you can do, but but everybody yeah. who plays the game has to go through the first night. Right, um, and it's also it's something that like um, creates a community out of. Uh, out of that commonality like how do you like how do you like what's your best way to handle the first night you build a house <laughs> right. you know do you know like yeah. do you dig down in the dirt and like, all these different things um and because i don't know because it, it, it like allows you a like you know nearly infinite freedom inside of the mm-hmm. world um but like dealing with the question yeah. helps like uh, helps brings people together through the game you know in the same way that, like reading a novel or something does you know right. challenging this question and, yeah, and it, it allows you to express your individuality mm-hmm. in the game and also the way that you talk to other people about it yeah and, and that that stuff's been around since the nes days but yeah. it was mostly because those games were so sort of oblique and japanese and confusing yeah, yeah. to, to <laughs> us eight-year-old kids you know we we had no internet we had no way of figuring oh, out yeah. how to yeah. how to beat the boss at the end of level three or and all that, but you know, it, it it does have that similar that similar conversation happens yeah. when you're trying to figure out how to navigate that space. And I can't imagine how kids do it with Minecraft because that is just the sheer amount of freedom that you have in that game. I mean, that 
I, you have to be young, I think, to start that game because <laughs> it's been. It's I mean, just, it's been like it's just fruitful for years. Else. It's going to be yeah. fruitful for decades in our life. I mean, I mean, you know, Microsoft bought it a few years ago, and the qu- big question is, will they ever make a sequel? And I can't imagine that there'd even be a point to that. Well, they, they, no, I mean, they just keep up. I mean, like yeah. all, all the progressive updates are are different. They're essentially like different games. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like there are people that like, they'll just do 1.7, they'll just do 1.8, you know, they'll just do 1.11. I mean, they, they did with Telltale Games make uh, Minecraft Story Mode, which is a fun True. thing. True. They're, they're, anyway, it's a lot of fun. I just I, I, I just have so much respect for, for people that can even get into that. I just find it so daunting. Also it's brilliant so cool, that though. the gamers are like, actually, you're going to make the game yeah. that you play. <laughs> yeah. Go at it, guys. Like, yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> It, it is. It's yeah. just a, it's just a toolbox, really. It, yeah. it's so well, cool. and I, I, yeah, about like NES days and community. There's this one thing that I've read once. I don't know if it's an article that you shared with me, Tim, but it was like talking about like they're like kids on the playground, like you know, sharing video game secrets. Like they're not sharing video game secrets. They're sharing Zelda secrets. <laughs> you know, like because right. and, 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 like all the all the conversation I first had with kids about stuff was all about uh, the Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was the first game of its kind to really sort of to start that that trend and everything. So yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah. the and we're seeing that now with the new Zelda game on Switch. Yeah. Like, there's all these sorts of things that are not well documented. There's all these um, interactions that some people are having that others aren't. So it's sort of causing these conversations to happen again on a whole new platform and 30 years later. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I think there's uh, even more we could talk about on this topic, <laughs> so maybe we'll do a part two at some point, because I think uh, there's aspects of talking about kind of linear and non-linear games and films and mm-hmm. how those tie together. I think we could talk about sort of the way that games or movies break down those narrative aspects or like acknowledge the sort of gameplay and stuff within them mm-hmm. so we could also go that direction we also haven't talked about lens flare or a dreamy quality to stuff <laughs> yeah, I talked a little bit about memory and dreaminess but yeah um, so if uh, our listeners want to share some of their thoughts as well you can email us at extratextualshow at gmail.com and we can uh, talk about some of those or you can also interact on our at Woodland Productions Facebook page but uh, yeah great discussion thanks for joining us Tim I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks.